ladies and gentlemen, once again, we are going to uh, start our podcast. We have our special guest speaker, Stephen Altrogi, is going to be joining us in a few minutes. But we wanted to tell you about another offer that we had to send you one of his books. For the first six people that will leave us a uh, comment on Facebook telling us what your favorite podcast was and why, and then just email us again with your name and address, um, we are going to go ahead and, and send you out one of Stephen Altrogi's free, uh, or one of Stephen Altrogi's books free on us. So uh, once again, uh, send us a message on Facebook letting us know up until this point what your favorite podcast episode was, along w with emailing us what your favorite podcast episode was, uh, and your name and address and we will go ahead and send that out to you. Now, you have to do things a little different this time because Stephen has written many books. Yes. Uh, so what you're going to need to do is go ahead and look on Amazon, look up Stephen Altrogi, and tell us which book you would like to receive. Also note that he has written several books only for Kindle. So if you don't have a Kindle, you're going to need to look at which ones uh, we can mail off to you. If you do have a Kindle, let us know that as well in the email so that we can send you a book from Kindle if that's better for your preference. Nathan, I'd like to up the offer a little bit. I would like to give out a free Kindle for the first person that sends us $2,000. <laughs> oh wait, no, that's not that, right. That's I, not right. No, no, I am kidding about that. Um, I guess that wouldn't really make it free, but it would make it free for us that's to purchase right. it and give it to them. No, that's right. But the good thing now, Nathan, with Kindle is with the apps, you know, and I'm, I'm probably uh, if I can risk offending our audience, uh, if you have any computer at all, any tablet at all, you can get the Kindle app for free. Yeah, and uh, download uh, Stephen's uh, eBooks. Uh, to that app that's pretty simple to do uh, but he does have several books that are available in print form as well mm -hmm. so like you're saying let us know look at uh, Amazon look at his I don't know 12 or 15 however many books Stephen right. has written yeah. stop writing so many books Stephen <laughs> uh, but whatever your favorite is we'll be happy to get that to you yep no that's great and uh, we're gonna go ahead and get started with the show hope you enjoy <music> to move quickly because of our special guest that we have today. Um, so let me just let you know who we have right now. Um, Greg Dutcher, Matt Smith, say hi to everyone out there. What up? Hey. Um, and then our special guest, Stephen Altrogi. Steve, say hi to everyone out there. Hey, folks. Um, we're so excited to have you here on the show today. Um, I almost feel like a 12-year-old uh, girl at a Beaver concert talking to you, um, <laughs> simply simply because... If I had a uh, dollar for every time that people said those words. <laughs> yeah. I bet you hear that all Very, the time, Stephen. I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know uh, Matt got Greg into listening to The Happy Rant, which is your primary podcast that you do, and then Greg got me into listening to it, so I've been listening to to it for the past. So, Stephen, I feel you owe me because <laughs> I'm contributing to your podcast in a, in a small because way. Because you secured two listeners. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, we conquer the world one at a time. That's How right. much do I owe you for yeah. those two listeners? I'll, I'll send you the bill. Hey, my wife listens to it too, so we're up to three. That's three listeners. Four, counting yeah. me. Yeah. And uh, Stephen, we were thinking, really, this is just a blatant uh, appeal. We were thinking maybe the Happy Rant would like to sponsor <laughs> these go to 11 because I think our 250 listeners 
uh, to your, I don't know, 20,000 listeners. I'm sure this would be a good use of your, your product <laughs> time. So just, just let us know what you think about that when you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll work that into yeah. our, uh, <laughs> our really big budget that we have. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and actually, Stephen, I, I do want to say that uh, I think I told you this in an email. You know, um, we're also hoping that this will be an olive branch to you uh, to not sue us for copyright infringement since we have <laughs> happily ripped off every aspect of your podcast, the Happy Rants format. So I do want to say to our people, if you haven't listened to Happy Rant, we talk about it a lot, but uh, I think it's the honestly the best yeah. Christian conversation worldview podcast out there. Uh, wow, I, I, I appreciate wow. that. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it better than These Go to 11? Yeah, I mean, These Go to 11 is, uh, we'd say, a close second. Sometimes this show, These Go to 2. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. Yeah, we were going to call it that, Stephen, because we didn't think we'd get more than 11 listeners. Uh, so, you know, that was the original intention. But uh, Do most of your listeners get the reference? No. Wouldn't you say, Nathan? Yeah, I, I, I think there are a few out there that do, but it's few and far between. Yeah, well, it's interesting. You have to be, I'd say you got to be between 30 and 50 to get it. So we've got some younger college kids like in our church that like it and listen to it. And it, it's amazing. They don't know the reference. Uh, because obviously, it's a terrib- I guess, terrible shame. I know yes. it is, and I try to crusade that all the time. Um, and I noticed that on your podcast, Ted Cluck recently got a a smell the glove reference, which I thought my wife and I listened to it, and I said, I wonder if they're going to get email on that particular reference. Uh, but then I, you know, she said, well, people that watch it, you know, watch it, so they're not going to say anything, and people that don't know it don't know it. Yeah. So um, have you? Yeah, have you guys uh, watched Spinal Tap anytime in recent years? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been ten years for me. I'd say I, it's I one of those movies that it's one of those movies that uh, it's also it's really funny, but it's also got a lot more like stuff that I would never recommend someone watching in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I forgot that, that I forget about. Right. Yeah, that's very true. You go back and watch. Uh, Watch a movie you haven't seen for a while, and you're like, "Oh, this will be great for everyone to watch." Then you're absolutely horrified. You're like recommending it to like high school students. Yeah, Yeah, that happened to me with uh, I think it was Goonies. Do you remember the Goonies? Oh yeah, yep. Which I loved, and I showed that to my boys. Worst rated PG movie. Oh yeah, I mean that that would have to be a PG thirteen today. Yeah, Um, Yeah. I was shocked. I, I I didn't remember any of that stuff. And, you know, I've got, you know, it was sort of uh, halfway into it. I've got my eight-year-old uh, watching oh, nice. this and all. So, uh, Listen, pl- I, I, Planes, can, can planes Trains, and Automobiles, which is one of my favorite movies. Oh, but I've great. always seen for the longest time, like, the edited TV version. Yeah. We were on a <laughs> huge vacation with all these other families. And I'm like, oh, no, this is a great movie for everyone. So yeah. we, we rented it and forgot there's... Well, it's, it's that one scene, yeah, right? That, yeah, Where yeah. he drops the F-bomb yeah, 60 yeah, times. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yes. it's rated R for a yeah. reason. Yes. <laughs> yes, forgot that. It is. Actually, though, Stephen, that was going to – we had three potential names, honestly, that we thought from a, a movie standpoint, Shaken Not Stirred, just classic okay. Connery, you know, Bond. Then yeah. we, these go to 11. And then uh, Those Aren't Pillows would have been another, <laughs> another name. But we, we thought which one would we get the most hate mail from? And then, of course, that assumes we have any listeners. Right. So uh, we're, we're doing fine. We're doing fine. Good. 
So, uh, Stephen, just for people who uh, may not know you, um, go ahead and give us a little bit of uh, background information on you, um, what you do, um, family, friends, just different things like that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I work at Four Oaks Church in Tallahassee, Florida, and I also work uh, with a guy named Dave Harvey. To, um, he has a, a ministry called Am I Called that helps churches and guys who are exploring the issue of pastoral ministry just provides a lot of free resources for them. So, you know, podcasts, articles, that kind of thing, videos. So I, I do that. Um, I run a website called The Blazing Center, like we've talked about, do a podcast called The Happy Rant. I uh, have three kids. I'm married uh, to Jen. I have three kids, three girls. So it's like nonstop drama in my house all the time, <laughs> seven and under. Um, so TNT says they know drama. And I'm like, no, you don't know drama. <laughs> um, and I've uh, done some worship music writing and some book writing and think that about covers it i don't know what, am i forgetting anything no nah, i mean just you, you uh, know yourself better than i do so yeah and Stephen, i just want to say it'd thank be you. weird if you knew me better than <laughs> yeah I that would be weird <laughs> it'd be strange yeah no i just want I've to actually say, been following your career for the last yeah. yes. <laughs> four years and i have all these photos of you <laughs> we uh we, we had challies on monday we we've only done that with him Stephen. we haven't done that with uh with you yet yeah. he's <laughs> famous enough that you can do that that's it's like an episode I don't know if you guys remember that episode of Seinfeld where Elaine is dating the guy who has all the photos of her. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, she's like, whoa, where did you get all these photos? And he's like, with my telescopic lens. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. That'd, that'd be creepy. Yeah. Great. No, I just wanted to say uh, that uh, when uh, Nathan asked you that, Stephen, about your resume, I want to thank you for making me feel very unaccomplished uh, <laughs> at this age. And can I ask you, how old are you? 32. Wow, dude. Man. Yeah, you are a loser, girl. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, Stephen's written about what? How many books have you written, Stephen? Uh, see, the fact that he doesn't know. Yeah, that, I don't. I'm, I can't remember. Six or seven? I don't know. See, Stephen, if I ask Greg how many books he's written, he knows immediately. <laughs> yeah, if you ask how I many books know, I've I just, sold. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I just, I like do. I mean, it for some reason, it. I just like doing a lot of stuff. And so it doesn't strike me as that, like, great it's just like stuff i enjoy doing that ends up turning into stuff i get to share with other people so yeah i don't know it's just fun i mean you guys have seen it with this podcast you just end up doing the stuff you love sure and then you get to share it with other people so it's just a lot of fun yeah and we are Stephen. just you know we we did a little pre-recorded intro before we started with you nathan and i were we're going to give away some of your books and we just decided to let the listeners that you know email us back tell us what they want uh, nice. because you've got, you know, all, you know, some stuff is all digital, right? Amazon and dude, I mean, create, I'm not buttering you up just by saying that, but that was a fantastic book. That Thanks, was, a, uh, that, that was really, really good. Cause I, I want to tell you, I didn't want to read it, uh, because <laughs> I thought it was a book kind of for artists like Matt and, you know, guys that have this thing called creativity, <laughs> but it was uh, really, really good. So that's one that Thanks, I, would I recommend. appreciate it. Definitely. If your listeners want, I have eight and a half by 11 glossy photos of me writing on a, <laughs> on a stallion. Yeah. Uh, but I'd be happy to send them. Will you autograph them, though? Yeah. That, do you hear that? That is up there with the infamous Shekinah Loins photo. I would like to have those. <laughs> if you could get me, Stephen, them side by side, that would be awesome. I'm sure Ted would be happy to 
Have you seen the actual photo? You know, I've not seen it. I need to check that it's out. Flo- we floated it around on Twitter a couple times. Um, I'll try and remember to send you a copy. It's it's pretty brilliant. That's it's, awesome. It's, <laughs> it's a photo, for those who don't know, it's a photo of Ted Cluck, my friend from when he was playing football in France. And it's this bizarre photo of, like, the sun shining right through Ted's crotch area. <laughs> so it's just... <laughs> It's like I, you can't. There's no reason why anyone would think, "Oh, this will be a good shot." Yeah. But for some reason, that's the shot they chose. It's just it couldn't be more aptly titled. By the way, though, I, I yeah, I mean, Shekinah ones are still waiting to yes. capitalize yeah. on that. Uh, that's great. Um, well, we do uh, we we do want to be uh, cautious of your time because we know you're busy. So um, I just have a couple questions for you about podcasting, um, and then I know Matt has some some things he wants to discuss with you and Greg as well. And then we do have a little bit of a hot topic that we're going to talk about. Hopefully, generate some controversy. For the most part, this has been a very tame podcast without a whole lot of controversy. So I'm hoping this will generate some too tame. Um, but um, in terms of podcasting, can you just let me know, like, what was your thought and mentality? Has it, it it's not quite been a year yet since you started Happy Rant, correct? Was it May of last year? Uh, yeah, I think that. Yeah, that sounds about right. OK, yeah. so what was your thought process in, in, in starting a podcast and going in that format and direction um, as opposed to, you know, maybe doing a, a blog or, or some of the other more popular forms of media that had kind of been around for a little while? Uh, I think it it was kind of a combination of things. I think if um, a, a, quite a while back, Barnabas and I had done sort of these, um, they were they were recorded on air Google Hangouts where we were essentially doing the same thing, but it was just the two of us. Um, and after a while, what I realized is that it the the medium of video just wasn't as conducive to listening to something as podcasts because i'm a podcast listener and so i i appreciate being able to you know listen to a podcast while i'm working out or while i'm driving or you know so it was uh, it was sort of this i had this initial idea to do this um you know the couple guys sitting around just shooting the breeze about various topics I, I my initial idea was actually i don't know if you guys are familiar with the, the uh ESPN show, pardon the interruption, with uh, yeah. Wilbon and Kornheiser. So anyway, that's one of my favorite shows, um, partially because it's just so fun to listen to those guys talk. Yeah, uh, they're just hilarious and insightful about sports. And so I kind of wanted to do a Christian version of that, where it was a lot of sarcasm, maybe a, the occasional insight, and a lot of laughs. Yeah. Um, so I took that and then decided after doing the videos for a little bit and talking to some people, it just seemed like the podcast just made a lot more sense uh, just for what we were doing. So we, we went into podcasting and, and ever since serial launched last year, they say we're in the kind of the golden age of podcasting. So yeah. the timing was, was good on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I think you've said Sim, you're, you're a fan of serial. I mean, did you, you follow yeah. that and were interested? Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Although I was a little, Got a little burned out on it by the end. I got a little tired of the Sarah Koenig just like waffling back and forth for four <laughs> yeah. episodes in a row. Yeah. Like the same thing, basically. Like, well, he either did it or he didn't. And sure. then she just. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. I liked it. I mean, it was it's a high quality storytelling podcast, which I really like. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. The, uh, and I'm sure you've seen some of those parodies 
uh, that they've done. They're great, you know. On, yeah. Uh, I, I think SNL did one. Uh, I can't remember the other one that's um, College Humor did one, I think. Yeah, yeah, that are that are so good where she basically loses it uh, <laughs> yeah. because she has no ending <laughs> that could be remotely yeah, that satisfying. Was, yeah, that was a funny. Uh, that was a funny one. Yeah. Now let me ask you a question. How I thought I remember hearing on Happy Rant that you guys, um, you uh, Barnabas and Ted, have actually you've never met before. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. We've actually never met in person. Wow. Which is kind of hilarious. And actually, but the funny thing is, is I, I've, I mean, you guys kind of know how those internet connections work, but I've sort of had that connection with Ted for a number of years now, just via email. And, um, I don't know, we've just gone back and forth on a number of different things. And then I can't remember how I got connected to Barnabas but it was another one of those random internet connections and then it just seemed like it would be a a good I don't know a good fit chemistry wise we seem to have different enough personalities and yet sort of all be in the same vein so that that yeah yeah, so we're still waiting to actually behold one another face to face (laughs) yeah the closest we've come thus far was when Barnabas was down in Orlando for the Gospel Coalition a couple weeks ago. Oh, right, yeah, right, because yeah. you're in Tallahassee. But I didn't, make it, yeah. I didn't make it over. Yeah, it's like three and a half hours, so uh-huh. I didn't make it over. Yeah. yeah. So he obviously means a lot to you, Stephen, <laughs> right, that it was three and a half uh, hours. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> by a lot, you mean not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really do appreciate him. He's a... He's a He's a good friend that I've never actually met. <laughs> yeah, no, no. And you guys, I mean, that's what everybody comments on. Your chemistry on that program is so yeah, good. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's so good. And uh, I don't think you mentioned, Stephen, a great chance to plug it, but your new one, Redemption Stories, um, I just listened to the one on Tully and Javidian. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, tell us a little Thanks, bit about um, a little bit about that. The idea that kind of came from that, and and how you started doing that, because I also just started um, listening to it. So. Yeah, the one the idea behind that podcast was, I mean, I, I just I grew up a very sheltered life. I mean, in a good way. I, I grew up in a Christian home, and um, I never dove headlong into sin. Uh, you know, I was just obviously sin, but just never in those like blatant, gross ways that you tend to see in in most of the world. So I'm always, I just, I love hearing stories of where people went without God and how God saved people. And so the, the idea was just to get people to tell their stories and uh, tell how God saved them, tell about how, how far they went from God and then how God rescued them. So I don't know. I just, I'm, I love storytelling in general. That's why I love podcasts like this American life, and, yeah. you know, all the story ones where it's just, it's not, you know, it's not just teaching, but there's a, a story element to it. Cause you know, in the church, we, rightfully so we get a lot of teaching which is good and we should um but there's an also an element where i think storytelling brings out certain beautiful aspects of what god does that you don't get just purely in didactic teaching so that's kind of the idea behind that Mm -hmm. yeah well uh, thanks so much for that i'm going to actually um turn you over to matt now just for uh, some of his uh, questions and thoughts on worship let you guys get going for a little bit so yeah sure well steven you uh obviously your dad uh marco trogi's written no goodness what hundreds of songs, maybe more than that. Um, his two biggest. Uh, I'm. A, is it? Would it be true to say his his biggest one is "I Stand in All of You" in terms of most people knowing that? Or yeah. I'm forever grateful. I know that's probably no, up there I, too. I, I think "I Stand in All" is definitely the biggest one. So I know uh, years ago you and your dad uh, 
through Sovereign Grace put together a you know, father-son kind of album in a little while. And what was it like uh, doing that, and how did that come about? Um, it was a lot of fun doing it. Um, it came about, uh, let me think. I think, honestly, I think the idea was, I think it may have been pitched to us by, um, we were, f we, we are slash we're friends, um, still are friends with a, a guy named Bo Latinsky, who at the time was the, uh, directing all the, the music operations for Sovereign Grace. Mm -hmm. And, um, he, he's also a longtime friend of ours. So he pitched the idea to us mm. and, uh, it was, it was a, it was a really cool experience. We, um, got to hang out in the Sovereign Grace studio for a couple of days doing some recording. We got to interact with a guy named Sal Oliveri, who's a Nashville producer who produced the album. And, um, it, it was fun, you know, getting to maybe have a little more uh, direct input into what an album sounded like, that kind of thing. So it was a really cool experience. Well, just to let you know, out of all, I'm pretty sure out of all the Sovereign Grace uh, albums, that's my wife's favorite one. So um, nice. She, she enjoyed, so you got, you know, you got you got at least one real big fan out of that album. Now, so. what do I owe you for that one? I, I'm, I'm <laughs> a, I've been accumulating all these things, right. so we'll, we'll send, we'll email you a bill or something. <laughs> uh, so are you still, cause obviously you're doing a lot of, lot of, lot of things, but are you still doing a lot of, uh, songwriting? And when I ask songwriting, I mean, in terms of trying to write songs that the church will sing, you know, it's actually been a, a bit of a weird time for me in recent month. Well, even recent year or so where I, because of a number of transitions, both church-wise and family-wise mm -hmm. um, that we went through where songwriting has not played as much of a role um, in recent uh, months for me. Um, and not because of not necessarily wanting to do it, but not having the... Uh, in the past, there was a more natural outlet for it with Sovereign Grace Music. Mm -hmm. And since I'm not as closely connected to them anymore, not because I don't love them, but just a sure. number of transitions led to not the same connection. So I don't have the natural outlet for it that I did before. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely not something I'm done doing. Um, but it's one of those things where I don't know, creativity, there's certain things that the outlet for them is a little easier. Um, so like, for example, like podcasting, I can do a podcast and then connect people to it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, Songwriting is just different. You have to write a song, but writing a song by itself isn't enough. You yeah. usually have to get it recorded, and um, you know that. And another, you know, it gets to a. This is a bigger picture issue, but you know, there's there's so much music being pumped out now, especially with the advent of Spotify, mm -hmm. which I love. I love Spotify, but it um, it's really hard to connect people to what you do these days. Yeah. And so uh, that's just a, a bigger challenge in general with music is mm -hmm. trying to find a natural outlet for it. Mm -hmm. So it's not something I'm done doing, but it's I, I'd say maybe I'm a little more I'm trying to evaluate where to go with it at this point. So when you are where you, when you were and when you are in the future writing songs that hopefully the church you know, will benefit or at least somebody would benefit, what are some of the objectives and goals that you're setting out in terms of what, what do you hope when a song is done and eventually recorded and others get to enjoy it, listen to it, sing with it, uh, the effect it will have? Do you have something clear in mind that you're going for? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would, 
the two main things are, I mean, it's, it's obviously, it's got to be solid lyrically mm-hmm. um, because I, I just, you know, <laughs> there's enough crappy worship songs out there mm-hmm. that enough like uh, songs that could either be a love song to a person right. or a love song to Jesus. And it's not only do I feel like vaguely uncomfortable singing those songs to begin with, <laughs> they're also, <laughs> yeah. they're also, uh, they're just not, I don't know. I just don't think they're helpful. I don't think those are helpful worship songs. And mm-hmm. so it's got to be solid lyrically in terms of doctrinally, uh, I would hope doctrinally robust without being um, overly. I mean, it's one thing you can, there's such a thing as too much doctrine in one song where it's like, you, you can't teach someone all of systematic theology in one song. <laughs> that's, um, what, that's what Christian rap is for. Right? Yeah, gotta, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Lecrae does. Scott can do that. Yeah. His, uh, his, his album where he runs through the doctrines of, of God. Yeah, but um, yeah. Yeah, So doctrinally robust. In, and then, I mean, it's got to sound good. It's got to have a good melody. I mean, nope. I, I just don't like singing songs that, don't have a good melody. I mean, they're, otherwise they're just boring. Yeah. Um, now, do you find so, when you when you yeah. kind of survey the landscape of, uh, I'll just say, quote unquote, the the uh, worship music industry, um, w- when you think about music versus lyrics, because obviously any any songwriter is is going to not want to write a song and then have it be a horrible melody. Uh, but do you find that oftentimes songs that are rich doctrinally? Uh, lack something musically and the other way around and which what do you see as the more common trends well i mean the more the most common trend would be would be well i would say music at the expense of doctrine but unfortunately i mean this sounds so pretentious but i'll i'll say it anyway i just i think a lot of i just think a lot of christian music is just somewhat lame i mean it's it just sounds like a ripoff of it's like a five year, a five year too late ripoff of secular music. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I would say probably the the common, most common mistake would be trying to do something musically at the expense of of words. Um, but in a lot of worship music, yeah, I do think songs. There's some people who are like, well, we're going to be so hardcore about doctrine, and music doesn't matter, and that's just not true. Like it. Yeah. You know, people like to sing songs that are melodically interesting, that, you know, are that match the lyrics. I mean, if you're singing some amazing lyrics, you need to have music that matches it so that the the heart, you know, rises to to sing. And so if if it's just doctrine without lyrics, then it's it's boring. And if it's just music, I mean, doctrine without music, sorry, if it's just music without doctrine, then it's just fluff so it's a weird tension you have to navigate to try and find the right balance between what is um what is good music what is good doctrine and then somehow mixing those two together do you typically when you write Stephen, are you shooting for like because you can usually pack more lyrics in a verse versus the chorus are you often doing kind of the which i think is pretty common where verses kind of pack the truth that you want to communicate about God, about Christ, about what he's done. And the chorus becomes kind of like our response or you not. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. I mean, that would be a pretty standard way I would approach it. Um, you know, there has to be a response somewhere in the song. Otherwise it's like, you're just, you're just reciting truth. If there's not a, if there's not a response where you're, 
the heart is, you know, worshiping, then it seems like, mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it's kind of missing the point as a worship song. So, yeah, I'd say generally speaking, I'd try to have the chorus be a response. It's not a hard and fast rule, though. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, I, I just had a question for you on this uh, subject, Stephen. So what would you consider um, two uh, pieces of music out there, worship mu- music out there, um, written, let's say, in the past 10 years that you think are just really great and dynamic and kind of fit all this criteria you're looking for and then two um two songs that you say yeah these are horrible and you know i just <laughs> tend to stay away from them altogether yeah, and, and and please with those two steven name the artist <laughs> uh the artist their email contacts and things like that. right yeah yeah uh let me think here um there are there are a couple songs um just that we've been singing recently. So these are the ones that are going to jump out at me in terms of what I, I mean, there's some, obviously there's some classic ones that are great examples of this. Like, I mean, in Christ alone is probably the biggest example of great music matching great lyrics. Sure. Sure. Um, But in terms of like, um, so recent songs that, that seem to fit this criteria, um, there are a couple songs that have been done. And it's funny because I can't, I I think I'm mixing, mixing up maybe who, I think these are t- these two are together. So Austin Stone and Aaron mm-hmm. Ivy, I think, mm-hmm. are together. I could be wrong about that, but Aaron Ivy and Austin Stone, I I feel like they're together. Is that right? You guys know if that's all right? Uh, I'm asking you, Matt. Uh, Matt's the worship leader. Uh, not, I'm not keen comment. Okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> there's um there's some music by um Austin Stone. There's some a couple songs. Um, there's a song called um. Oh crap! Now my now I have to like pull up spot. I have to pull up Spotify to actually that's powerful to see what I'm actually talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking it up, um, and I, I when I do a Google search, they come up together a lot. Uh, okay. Stone uh, yeah. So uh, there's a song called "Love Shines," which is a really good one. Um, there's a song. Let me see. I'll pull them up right now so that I actually sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, Jesus is better. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah that's an, that's another good one. Um, that's a good one because it captures. Um, uh, there, there's an element to that song where it's where the, the the lyrics are saying basically in every trial and every struggle, Jesus is better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, the the music is very um, very big and anthemic as well, and so it, it matches very well. I like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've heard that. that's a good song. So those are two ones. Uh, oh, God Undefeatable. That's another one. That's a, a very good one. Um, the chorus is God Undefeatable, Matchless and Bountiful. You came uh, in majesty. Yeah, so in majesty. Yeah, there's good lyrics there, but it's also you really want to sing along with it. Yeah. Um, and so, let's see, songs that don't fit that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is where it gets fun. I'm trying, well, I mean, see, here's the... I think a good example of a guy who has some good songwriting, but his lyrics are just, they can get wacky is David Crowder. Sure. Um, yeah, sure. I really like David Crowder's music. Yeah, I do too. At, at times, not all the time, but yeah. at, at times I really like, you know, he's really evolved a lot from being like this electronic dance guy to being now he's like duck dynasty, basically um, <laughs> the neon state. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> It's, but he's he's got some great music, but a lot of times his lyrics are just 
either fluff or just he he tries to be so poetic that it ends up being you, you just have no idea what he's talking about. Right. Um, so Crowder's one of those guys that I like, but I don't so probably deep. wouldn't sing many of his yeah. songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, the the one that always comes up there, uh, Stephen, is how how he loves us. Yeah, and, I mean, well, what, that was actually that was John Mark McMillan at first. Yes, and I knew and there was then, the kiss thing they changed, right? Big sloppy kiss, sloppy or, wet kiss, yeah. sloppy wet kiss that they had to change. <laughs> Most bizarre, bizarre analogy slash word picture ever yeah. put in the world. Come on, Stephen, you don't want a big sloppy kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a slop, like I don't want a sloppy kiss from anybody. <laughs> Like, that's just weird. How about your dog? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. why I don't have a dog. Right? I've got yeah. kids who are like giving me sloppy wet yeah. kisses. I don't need more of that. Right, right. I, I, I thought you were going to say something like, uh, see, Matt really brings powerful um, uh, songs to his church, Matt. Like, there's a flag flown high in the castle oh, come of my on heart. Now. Come <laughs> that's on. a good one. Yeah, he's just really, love that one. Yeah, leading people into deep experience. Hey, man, we just we just taught the church Jack Hayford's Majesty. Majesty. When I was an early, oh believer, my gosh, man, that I lived was on that. that was a huge that was a huge song. Lived and died on. Hey, that. Stephen, what are your last? What are your thoughts in terms of? I, I, I a lot of times in. Um, I hear songwriters, you know, write worship songs, talk about um, the overproduction quality. Um, and uh, just wanted to get your thoughts in terms of, uh, you know, sometimes, first of all, when I hear people talk about overproduction, I always ask them to define that because sometimes I feel like we're on different pages of how we're unpacking that. But what are your thoughts in terms of the music and just the way it's produced, kind of this idea of overproducing uh, in Christian music versus not overproducing? I think, I mean, I think it's getting better than it was. I think there was a period where, I mean, if I still think, you know, if you turn on, um, you know, whatever your Christian radio station is and listen to what the, the musical sound is like, I still think that a lot of Christian music has this, uh, what I just call, Na it just sounds very Nashville-like, which is this sound it's these it's a sound of layered guitars um usually layered electric guitars it's it's the casting crown sound um <laughs> it's it's layered electric guitars uh it's layered vocals there's there's just a lot going on um and i'm not against casting crowns i just they they to me it's the sound started with sonic flood i think i think oh, they okay. were the i think they were the impetus of that sound and it's just kind of it stayed in that same feel for a number of years now. Um, so when you listen to secular music, do you see that or hear uh, that? Some, yeah. I mean, not as much just because I feel like secular music, there's so many different... Uh, I don't, well, first of all, I don't listen to a lot, a lot of top 40 type secular music, so I don't know what the top 40 sounds like, but I, do, I would say that a lot of secular music, it's just so broad in terms of its genre and who it's appealing to that I think there's, um, I think there's some variety there. Uh, you do hear it a lot in, in country music tends to have a lot of, mm -hmm. pop country music tends to have a lot of the same kind of sound, but, yeah. but um, there, there's definitely some Christian music that I think is, um, I think it's going in a good direction. I mean, mm -hmm. there's bands, you know, Unfortunately, these guys are going in a bit of a uh, heretical direction lyrically, uh, but Gunger is a great band yeah. that they're yeah. taking things musically in some really cool directions. I think David Crowder's taking things in some cool directions. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, so I don't know. I 
there's still that kind of worship sound that a lot of people fall into. And that's just kind of the nature of worship music. I mean, you can't, there's only so much you can do on a worship album without turning it into not a worship album. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a sound that everybody has, but I think there's some, uh, I think there's progress being made that it's not sounding so layered. Mm -hmm. Steven, I'm just going to jump in here. Matt, um, loves overproduced music I, don't you Matt? Uh, yeah i do i asked yeah. that i asked that question because I, I, hear, yeah. <laughs> I, I hear now i'm a top 40 guy so um i'm the guy that kind of says see they're popular because that means people like them opposed to bands that no one has ever heard of but everybody thinks they're amazing yeah. so i like i'm not, I well, like, I'm not opposed yeah i'm not opposed to popular bands um if they're if they're good right right i like coldplay yeah, I like yeah. I like Coldplay too. Yeah, Coldplay's um, great. But I like I I'm I like the layered sound. Well, so I, you know, it drives me crazy when when a lot of uh, ministries or churches that I think have really good lyrics, but the they they try so hard because there's this idea we don't want to overpower the lyrics. And I'm thinking, well, if you got good lyrics, then let's let's let the music yeah. fit that. So it's just kind of I'm kind of on the other end. It drives me crazy when it's you, not. You know, dude, it. you're you're probably and we are revealing our age. Because Steven's 32. Maybe. I'm, I'm, we're 44. Here, bro. And uh, I'm starting to feel like we feel like our minds are the exact same. Just hey, so you know, Steven, Matt and I, Matt led me to Christ. And we oh, went to, great. what was it, Matt? 14, 15 DeGarmo and Key DeGarmo and Key, man. That was, <laughs> that was it, baby. <laughs> Boycott hell. Let's oh, get upset. Rock solid. That's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah, rock solid. Rocking for, rockin for the rock. Probably a little... <laughs> I'm assuming, see, a little after your time musically. I mean, you're yeah, sure you know I mean, who they are. Oh, yeah, I definitely know who they are. They yeah. would have been a few years kind of after I got into the uh, the Christian music scene. I, You know, I, I started more like on uh, early DC Talk. DC so that would have been, oh, yeah. like, that been like 92, 93. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. That yeah. was uh, around the time we were uh, meeting our future wives and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> and they were straightening us out on things. Uh, no, that's that's neat. Do you want me to shift over? Nathan? Yeah, you can go ahead and yeah. seamlessly transition. I'll see. Watch how I seamlessly do that. You know, Steve, speaking of worship lyrics, let's talk about politics. I think, um, <laughs> you know, it's those really two, good. I yeah. can, you've honed that. I can <laughs> <Yeah>. tell. <laughs> On my drive here to our you studio, work, you've worked hard to, to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Seamless, man. That was. Smooth. Why aren't you on TV? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Greg? Yeah. <laughs> my, my mother always told voice. me. Yeah, I do. I got the perfect face for radio right there is, uh, is how that works. But uh, see, I feel like um, we've done what this is, I think, our 16th this podcast. This will be number so 16, yeah. We are babes in this. But one of the things we keep running into uh, in so many of our topics, I feel like it's sort of the, the background calls. There's a material calls that we're talking about, and we keep bumping into this uh, issue of, God and country, God and politics, and uh, having, I, I know some of where you're coming from on this because I've listened in, obviously, Stephen, but um, I've been going through a pretty significant change. I mean, seven, eight years ago, I, I always had, I think, the sense to not bring politics into the pulpit when I preach, mm -hmm. but in my personal life even, it was a much bigger deal. I mean, I was watching Fox News every night, you know, O'Reilly, Hannity, Greta, 
you know, and I, I, wow. I, I, I was just doing that because you I were just, very fair and balanced. Back then. <laughs> I was, I was. Hey, if you want the truth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Man. I, I couldn't get it on CNN. Right. Uh, so it's certainly not what, what's the other one? They, MSN. Uh, M, yeah. MSNBC. So I, I, but you know, I, and I always kept it out of my formal pastorate, but, um, I have grown, I, I hope it's not too strong a word, almost disdainful of the fusion between evangelical American Christianity and conservative Republican <laughs> or libertarian or constitutional political merging. And I sense a resonance with you on that, Stephen. And I'm just wondering, I mean, you're a younger dude, uh, so how often do you run into this? Uh, I'm just going to open it up to you and just comment away. Well, I, I mean, it's funny. I don't know if I'm, I'm not one of those guys who studies politics a lot, so I'm, I'm not sure if I'm like the best guy to comment on it. But I do feel like part of the reason I don't pay attention to politics is, is for the very reason that I really don't like um, – I just don't like what I hear coming from from Fox News, from Republicanism, from – um, the, the message is so, uh, I should say that the messenger so often overpowers the message in, mm. in, when it comes to any political viewpoint that, so like when you listen to, uh, guys like Rush Limbaugh or Hannity, it's, I mean, it's just like anyone who doesn't agree with them is an idiot. Yeah. And I just don't see that as. It's just really hard to win people to Christ when you think that they're an idiot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, and, and people pick up on that, and non Christians pick up on that. And so, even in the discussions about, you know, really important subjects like homosexuality, I get really frustrated by the way that um, mainly conservative Republican commentators who are also evangelical Christians, they, they almost put it into an us versus them contest and we've got to defend our way of life. And it's us versus the, the libertarian or the libertarian, the, the liberal agenda and the homosexual agenda. And I think there's a, obviously there's a place for engaging um, winsomely with unbelievers about these kinds of subjects, but man, it's really hard for people to even want to have those conversations if they already think that I don't like them, if yeah. they think that I'm against them, if they think that I want nothing to do with them. And I just don't hear a lot of love and grace exuding from the conservative side of things. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure the same argument could be made for the liberal side of things. I just overall, like when you talk politics, there's just not a loving, a lot of love and grace. It's just a lot of loudness and a lot of like mm. people really upset at each other. Yeah. Yeah, and and the fusion of that with the gospel, Stephen. I, I think you've written on this before too, in in some way or another, is is alarming to me. What I what I'm beginning to see, for instance, um, if the National Day of Prayer is coming up, and we've got some really great guys in our church that that are solid believers, love the Lord, and are going to play a part in that with various local events. And to me, there's a fine line. I'm all for prayer. <laughs> you know, that's I good, Gary. That, that's a good thing to be. <laughs> that's a good thing for a pastor. To support. I think a pastor Greg, should support prayer. Saved for another Sunday. Good, good. I want to make <laughs> yeah. that clear. I like prayer. I think it's a good idea. 
Um, but the, you know, if you're praying for the, the hearts of his people to be revived, to be, you know, just completely connected to the gospel and the mission of the church, uh, and, and to be a winsome influence, be good citizens in this land, you know, take away, until I'm preaching through first Peter right now, you know, basically take away the excuses people have to dismiss us on other grounds because we're obnoxious or or we're, we're in your face, but they, they almost ha- have to deal with this as this paradox. Man, I, I hate what they believe, but they're such nice, kind people that you know mow yeah. my neighbor's lawn and all that sort of thing. But there's another side of the day of prayer that I, I is really concerning me, and it's more the, we've got to take our country back. Mm. And mm-hmm. I, I was on a website, I, it was probably a liberal website, but I just wanted to get a read on what some non-Christian people think of the day of prayer. And I did see a rather humorous uh meme that somebody had made and it was it was uh take our country back uh from the secularist and the subtitle was and put it back into the hands of slave owning deists and um (laughs) it it, it did make me think you know wow like i don't feel a need as a believer steve to defend uh against that you know I, i would more open it up to a conversation about god and you know, yeah, slavery is just one of the most horrific blights on our own history mm-hmm. and human history as a whole. Um, and and some people that I talked to, I share that with, were very upset and said, see, that's the problem. The secularists are out there and blah, blah, blah. And it just seems like an us against them rather than an us winning them mentality, which I'm just preaching now, so I'll shut up. But Well, yeah, I mean, it's – no, I think you're right. It's um, – the, the thing that's – to me is bothersome. One of the things that is bothersome is when you read, when you read the, um, the new Testament and you read the exhortations about how Christians are to live in relationship to government. Um, those were not, those weren't particularly good governments that Christians were exhorted (laughs) to submit to. Like the emperor was not especially a nice guy. Uh, Caesar, you know, Jesus talking about Caesar. And and I mean, just all these things, it's like everybody is, I I agree that there are some things that Barack Obama does, particularly in relation to abortion that need to be pushed back against. But I mean, we're not, this is not like a new time in history where all of a sudden we have the worst world leader that is out there. Right. I mean, we, (laughs) there's a, the Christians in, in, you know, in that Peter was addressing and that were, that are addressed in Romans. I mean, they were under some pretty awful governments and uh, when they're told to honor the emperor, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't see that anything like that in our politics today. Yeah. Yeah. And the, in our, in our, in our Christian politics, I should say. Yeah. The, the soundbite, Stephen, I always give on that when people are talking about the history of the country and they'll say, uh, you know, I mean, gosh, Greg, there was taxation without representation. I, I, I like to always say, you know, Nero had a similar policy. His was his was decapitation without representation. <laughs> and, you know, you've got yeah. you've got Peter and Paul in that context yeah. urging. I mean, I love what Paul says uh, to the Thessalonians to, to settle down, live quiet, peaceable lives, do something useful with your hands. I think there's a desire. Yeah, but I want to I want to rise up. I, I want to I want to be like William Wallace. I, I, I want to stand up against the tide. And it's almost the gospel call to me seems rather counterintuitive. And, um, you know, to know the, the best thing we can do. Like, to me, Jesus' attitude to government always seems rather 
neutral to maybe disinterested. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. sort of you know, uh, you know, the coin argument. Well, show me whose face is on that. You know, well, yeah, then then render to him what's his, but render to God what's God's, and it it's um. It, to me, it, it, I've just seen it, and I'm, I'm speaking my own life, Stephen. Such a distraction from what we're called to, and um, I've just heard you make a comment here or there on Happy Rant, Fox News, and that sort of thing. And I, you're, you're, you're <laughs> yeah, kind of coming where 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 I thought you would. They they tend to bear the brunt of some of my jokes. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? They've they've got enough money to take it. I I think they're. <laughs> They, they do. They're, they're, they're probably saying they've got enough fair and balanced fans. Yes, yes. they, Abs- they can handle the criticism. Yes, yes. And uh, one one thing I have to say, Steve, I have loved because I know Nathan wants to hit you with this, yeah. but I have loved the comment. I think you made it, or maybe Barnabas made it, um, talking about Tully and Shavidian. This is unrelated here, but I just had to say yeah. it's my, one of my favorite Happy Rant comments when you guys are are trying to summarize why he's no longer part of gospel coalition and one of you guys yeah said, yeah he basically was kicked out for loving god's grace too much um and he i love justification so much that, <laughs> that they don't like him anymore <laughs> that was just a highlight but i i would say uh the most influential book i've read Stephen, in the last five or six years uh, and it was a surprise read too. Was his Jesus plus nothing mm-hmm. equals everything? Yeah. I just love that yeah. book, and That's I'm not saying yeah. there aren't the finer points of exegetical issues that you know kind of was sure. blogged about to death last year. That that you know, they have their place, but the the power of that book for me was was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I like his books a lot too. Yeah. Um, so Stephen, we're gonna um, go ahead in the next uh, last few minutes that we have here, and I do want to hit you with this because I, I read your article that you wrote about. Um, you know, essentially, um, I, I forget the title of it. Was it why? Um, I think it was, I'll bake you a cake, just not your wedding cake. Yeah, yes. yeah thank you. And, and if you could just real quick um, summarize that for people who haven't, um, who haven't read it, um, because I, I just, I had a different take on it, and I just want to get your thoughts on that, um, on that perspective. Yeah. Well, first of all, this area, I think, I mean, it is a bit of a morally, ethically gray area for Christians. So there's there's certainly room for for flexibility on this. But my take on the issue of whether, first of all, I'm not a baker, so I'm not going to bake. But that was the issue at stake was uh, there's a there's been arguments about whether or not Christians should um, bake cakes for gay marriages. And my argument basically was along the lines of, I will bake you a cake to s- celebrate any other, you know, any other event. The only reason I wouldn't do that is because you are, uh, you're celebrating something. You're, you're very explicitly, it's a very explicit celebration of something that God is very opposed to. Um, and it's not a... Then people, of course, there was people saying, well, what about sin that would happen at a regular wedding? And I just say, well, that's not a regular wedding is not an explicit celebration of something that God's opposed to. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is it it is an issue of conscience. I think that someone could bake a cake and make the case for doing it. But for me, I just I think it's an issue more than anything that I just think you need to think carefully about. And you shouldn't say one way or the other. I will or I won't do it. Do it just with a flippant. Just, oh, I just would never do that, or I would do it. I think it takes very careful thought in this kind of mm-hmm. issue. And so I was more just trying to press hard on the issue of, well, would I bake a cake for someone 
that was a very explicit celebration of something. And I knew what was going on. Sure. Um, in some ways, it sort of seems to touch a little bit on the issue with that Paul addresses when he's talking about meat sacrifice to idols. He's talking mm-hmm. about what you know and what you don't know is is taking place. So that's kind of where I was coming from on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd love to hear the the opposing perspective as well. Yeah, you know, I was just um, I actually I manage a liquor store nearby, um, and so I deal with people. Uh, constantly coming in, um, heterosexual couples, homosexual couples, drunks, you know, you name it, people coming in and wanting to buy alcohol for, you know, their, their upcoming weddings and, you know, whatever else. And I don't necessarily see it as um, a problem. I mean, first of all, I don't own the store, so, you know, I don't have a say on whether or not I can refuse service to people necessarily. But I was just, I was thinking about that because I was thinking from the perspective of, well, what if I did own the store? What if I was running this store from a Christ-centered perspective I still don't see it as an issue um, or even something to ponder simply because I'm not being asked to engage um, in the service and be a part of the service. And I think I think that's one of the things that I had to hang up on what you were saying when you were giving this kind of first person narrative in it. You were like, you're asking me um, to be a part of your ceremony. Well, really, they're not. What they're doing is they're saying, hey, I have money. You provide a great service. And I want you to to provide me for with this service, you know, without any um, agenda on what you think one way or the other about it. And so that was just kind of my pull away and take was, you know, being in an industry, a food and beverage industry. Um, and then I was thinking back to the days when I did um, tree work for um, a guy. Uh, he was he was a strong Catholic. I never quite figured out if he was a believer. I think he was. But we would go and we would do tree work for all sorts of occasions and events for people, um, cleaning up their yard and tidying their yard. And some of that had to do with um, now that gay marriage is legal weddings. But before then, you know, the unions and things like that. And there was just never an issue of conscience or morality. It's I, I offer a public service for people. And so, you know, if they're going to pay me my wages, then I'm going to do this service for them. Um, and so I just, that was just my take on it. Wasn't like they're asking me to violate my conscience by engaging in this service with them by standing up as a, a best man or by, you know, reading a scripture verse, um, or anything like that. They're just saying, Hey, you know, I, I heard about you. I, I know you have this, uh, this business and I want to support your business and here's the money, bake my cake. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, would you would you supply for a strip club? That's a good question. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think that that. I well, mean, I think if if you take it out to, uh-huh. I think the principle. If you take it out, I think mm-hmm. you have to just ask what you're willing to, what's what you're willing to help promote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's not technically promoting because you're just supplying a service. But it's it's enabling something to take place. So that's the only. I mean, that's kind of the thinking is, how far are you willing to to support? Sure. And and if not a strip club, why why not that versus a gay wedding? Yeah. Well, let me let me ask you this though. I mean, in the Bible, we read all sorts of stories about um, people who are asked to do things for the king, and aren't they just essentially told to do them unless it's a violation of the gospel? I mean, Esther was essentially asked to go and be a part of, uh, you know, the king's harem. And, you know, 
so I mean, I'm, I guess I'm just kind of saying, you know, like wh where do you eventually draw the line? And, you know, like you're saying, where do you draw the line? So to me, the violation is if you're asking me to do something that clearly violates um, the preaching of the gospel, to stop preaching the gospel, um, things like that, that's where you, you know, you take that stand. But if you're just being asked, you know, to provide the service, you know, I mean, I'm sure there were, you know, believing people in Roman times. And again, I'm speculating, conjecturing, maybe there weren't, um, but they provided good services and they were asked to provide a service for, um, you know, for the king and what he was doing and his parties and things like that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that makes sense. I think the, I think where I would push just more than anything is I think there's too much just siding one way or the other without giving it careful thought. And I think you've, it sounds like you've given it careful thought and I can't, honestly, I can't disagree with what you're saying because I think you can make the case what you're saying. I really think that case can be made. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that you can also, I think more than anything, I would, I would encourage people to, to just press and think carefully about this issue because um, I think, I mean, honestly, what bothers me the most is honestly not whether or not someone is or isn't supplying a cake. It's the, and this kind of goes back to what Greg and I were talking about, but it's the just like flippant talking about it without careful thought to, mm. it's the Fox News take on it, or it's sure. the, the other end, it's like the MSNBC, where it's just not, Christians aren't giving it careful thought. And then because of that, they're not giving winsome answers to those mm -hmm. who are participating in these things which just ends up making christians look like idiots who don't like people sure right sure right so you which is true this. about 75 percent of the time yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you'd float this more under that freedom category that we have as believers um, as opposed to cold heart stance on anything yeah i mean i would say that it's one of those it's not, uh, although I, it's not exactly under the liberty category, because we're not really talking about liberties here. We're more talking about uh, what should be binding on a person's conscience. Mm -hmm. And so I would push it under, I can't, I don't think I can bind your conscience not to do it. Sure. Or to, or to do it. I don't think I can do, I think I can make a solid argument for why you maybe shouldn't do it mm -hmm. and, and push you to think harder about it but I think you can also make a solid argument for why you would do it. And you're pushing me to think harder about it. Sure. So yeah, like it's one of those things where I think, I think there is a place to disagree about it. Um, but more than anything, I just, I think Christians got to be thinking carefully and, and, and being winsome because man, we so often we just come across as like angry, arrogant punks and, I think that hurts the gospel even more than whether or not you serve or don't serve a cake is the way you come across in your attitude of love or, or lack of love. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, agree. Sure. Agree. Yeah. Well, Stephen, thank you so much um, for your time with us. We are going to go ahead and, um, and sign off. Um, so, Absolutely. Thanks uh, again, for having me. Yeah, oh, no, it's such thank a you. pleasure. So um, if you get another chance, we get another chance. We'd love to have you on again. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go ahead and uh, sign off. And Greg, Matt, Stephen, we just rocked the Casper. Consider it rocked. These go to 11.